Welcome to this episode of the Sound of the State podcast from the Illinois Senate Democratic Caucus. In Springfield, I'm Colby Huff, joined on Zoom today by State Senators L.G. Sims Jr. and Robert Peters. Senators, we have an important discussion today about a significant and groundbreaking piece of legislation we're going to talk about, the Safety Act. Now, the Act has drawn intense scrutiny and attention, particularly of late, and there have been a number of claims made about it that we're going to address today. To begin with, Senators, there is a list being widely shared of violent crimes that people will not be arrested for come January 1st when the Pretrial Fairness Act portion of the Safety Act takes effect. Now, where did that list come from and is it accurate? Thanks for the question. That list came from, as you noted, we're having these discussions, and I think it's important to point out that the individuals who are leading these discussions, they're the party of no. They're the party who does not come forward with a plan on how to govern. They're the folks who voted to restrict voting access. They're the folks who are eliminating a woman's right to choose. They voted not to create a fair and equitable criminal justice system. So I think we have to put that into context. But that list, where they come from, in the Safety Act, there's no non-detainable offenses as what the claim has been out there. It's just not accurate. Those charges listed are detainable if the court believes that a person will not show up or if the person is a danger or a threat to themselves or the community. That's very different than what we have right now. Right now, under the cash bail system, if you're accused or commit a domestic violence, but you have access to cash, you could simply bond yourself out with any other further conditions. Whereas if you are a poor shoplifter and you don't have access to cash, you could go in and steal a Snickers bar and sit in county jail for six months. The Safety Act keeps us from criminalizing poverty. It allows us to make criminal justice decisions and detention decisions based on a person's threat to public safety, not their ability to pay, which our system should be based on. Our system should not be based on one's ability to pay, but their threat to public safety. We cannot continue to criminalize poverty in this state or across this country. And that's what our criminal legal system has done for far too long. So the purveyors of fear, they've taken this list and they've tried to create fear around things that just don't exist. Whereas under the Safety Act, those decisions can be made and a person can be held if they're a threat to public safety or a threat to a person or if they're a threat to not appear. Look, if, for example, someone's doing something, they have a gun, the judge has the ability to detain somebody until trial. When we think about what's been happening around this list and this information, it's not about actually trying to focus on public safety. It's about who has power to impact people's lives. And the people who've been pushing this and getting people stirred up aren't focused on the well-being of Illinoisans. And to be honest with you, I wish we could have a little bit more of a conversation about what does it mean to have a safe community and why? has the status quo not worked here for decades? And I think that what we've done with the Safety Act and with the Pretrial Fairness Act is say this failing status quo and LG and myself, we live in areas, I think LG had a very horrific incident when it comes to violent crime near his office. And I've had a few near my house here. We fundamentally believe that we can make the world much safer because it impacts us on a regular basis. It is not a theoretical conversation. It's not just a political conversation. It is fundamentally about what is going to make it not just us personally, but the people we love so that they can have a safer life. And what we know and what we saw before we were able to pass and put this bill into law is a status quo that hadn't worked. And we continue to see this over and over again. And I'll finish and remind people, someone's accused of something very bad today and they have money in their pocket. They get to walk out. There's no determination based off safety. It's based off their wallet. And that's just not good enough. Senators, there's a rumor that here in Illinois, beginning on January 1st, police would be banned from removing trespassers from your home. Is that true? 
This is false. The idea is that there's nothing that bans police from removing trespassers from someone's home. In fact, the police maintain the discretion to arrest anyone who poses an obvious threat to any person and their safety. Again, I think it's important to note, police have discretion. They have power. We've said you have power to detain somebody. What we're just saying is to initially first try to cite. And if they leave, they leave and they walk away. And if they don't, take them in. And that's very important here. We have given broad discretion to the police when it comes to this action. I think it's also important to note here that the language that's included in the Safety Act came directly from a commission that several members, myself included, of the legislature worked on with the Supreme Court. There was a commission on pretrial practices that the Supreme Court commissioned. The language that is included in the Safety Act comes directly from the recommendation of that commission about dealing with nonviolent offenders. What we're trying to get to is a system where you are deterring individuals from crime, but you're not locking up nonviolent offenders. So that is just patently false that a person cannot be removed if they're on your property. You've got to be able to have a system that's built on safety. And if we are doubling down on failed policies of the past, we're going to continue to fail. But that is just patently false. And that's one of the dangers of when you try to politicize public safety. Public safety should not be politicized and it should not be used in the way that some of the purveyors of fear are using them. We should be focused on community safety. And Senator Peters talked about both of us and many of our colleagues. We live in areas where there are genuine concerns from our neighbors about their safety. And what you're seeing is these folks who are peddling fear without actually having a plan. They're just playing on the worst fears that individuals have. Let's engage in having a system that is fair, that addresses root causes of crime, but also holds individuals accountable. And it's unfortunate that you have so many people who are trying to play on the fears of those in the community and not coming to the table and having a real discussion about how we can make our communities more safe. Another thing that I keep hearing is that people who are currently incarcerated will be released on January 1st, 2023, when portions of the Safety Act related to cash bail are in effect. Is there any truth whatsoever to that claim? No. After January 1st, 2023, judges will still have the ability to detain individuals who are being held for what a judge determines is a threat to public safety, a threat to an individual, or a threat to fluids. The judge does not lose that ability after January 1st. They actually retain that authority and responsibility. In fact, anyone charged with murder may be retained pre-trial as well. I think it's also important to note that one of the state's attorneys, State's Attorney Reinhardt, said that his office, in talking about this this topic and talking about pretrial after January 1st on pretrial decisions, he talked about his office will consider the facts of each case and will likely pursue pretrial detention for murderers and predatory criminal sexual abuse cases, but could also see pretrial detention in many cases involving weapons or armed robbery. He predicted that a high number of those individuals would be detained. Again, it's important that we are talking about and we focus on those violent criminals, violent crimes, and that we put our resources into making communities safe, which the numbers show 80% of the crimes are nonviolent offenders. So let's put our efforts towards those 20% of the crimes that are going into the criminal justice system so we can focus our efforts on those individual crimes. Here's another interesting thing I've seen repeatedly on social media, Senators. When Illinois eliminates cash bail on January 1st, murderers, kidnappers, rapists, they're not going to be arrested, but instead they'll just be issued a notice to appear in court. Is there any truth to that? 
That's definitely not true. The amount of information on this, that's just wrong. If someone is a threat to a person or persons, not only will they have to come into court and be detained in the whole process, the only people who are going to ever get something where they might get a notice is someone for a minor crime. If someone's a murderer, kidnapper, rapist, and other horrible things, they'll have to most likely appear in court and the police should be doing their jobs to arrest people in that situation. And we'd have to have them basically go through the court system. And the other part about this is instead of having their freedom determined by how much money's in their wallet, it will now be determined on whether they're going to be causing harm to other people. And I think that's actually a big shift, a good big shift. So if someone is accused of something very horrible, now if they're rich, they don't just automatically get to pay themselves out. Again, I know this stuff is spreading on social media. I understand these things happen. And I know that this is a big change in the system, but to make it clear to people, this change is fundamentally rooted in talking about safety and not money. If someone is a threat, there's danger. Now they can't use money to get out and be free. We have to make a determination about whether they're a threat to other people. So yes, I hope people understand. When you see stuff like that, I know it's like, oh my God, it can be shocking. Just take a second and you can always reach out to us. You can always check online on some of our websites and you can talk to folks, but just know that is patently false. What you're seeing on social media that says that we're going to allow all these bad people to do bad things. I'd like to follow up on a point that Senator Peters made in talking about the current system. What's been frustrating about the efforts that have gone on recently with the misinformation campaign that's played out on social media is that the purveyors of fear, they want to ignore the fact that the current system, under the current system, if you committed an act of domestic violence or if you're accused of committing kidnapping or robbery or murder or any of the offenses that you see this list of crimes right now, prior to January 1st, if you have access to cash, you can pay your way out and you can walk free. There was a instance recently in Lake County where a law enforcement officer was accused of shooting and killing an individual inappropriately. He was charged by the Lake County State's attorney at a bail for $350,000. For $35,000, he walked free. Under the Safety Act, the consideration would be very different. The judge will make a determination about an individual's threat to public safety. So what the opponents keep trying to gin up and the fear they're trying to get gin up, they're trying to have it both ways. They're trying to say that crime is running rampant in communities and it's the fault of the Safety Act, but we want the same system to stay in place. You can't have it both ways. What we're trying to do is improve the system and make sure that safety is our number one consideration, not politics, not money, not any of those other things, but safety, community safety. State Senators L.G. Sims Jr. and Robert Peters on the podcast today. Senators, another thing I've seen is that serial domestic abusers, sex offenders, and residential burglars, among others, will be set free without judges being allowed to consider general public safety after January 1st. Would that actually happen? No. Let me just answer that real quick. A, what makes this bill special is that sexual assault survivors and domestic violence survivors were integral in developing this piece of legislation. And they literally described it as criminal justice reform that puts survivor safety first. Not only do judges have the ability and retain the power to deny release when it comes to this, it's also important to note that we now made it so that people who might be accused of domestic violence or some gender-based violence, they can't just automatically necessarily just stay, let's say, in the house. Again, the police have to do their end of the deal here, but they have to bring people in. And then at that point is on that person to actually prove that they're not going to be a threat to the person in their house. And that was largely because of the work of domestic violence survivors. 
We've got another claim involving law enforcement to discuss. One of the things that they will now have to do as part of the Safety Act, they, law enforcement, must complete their reports in a very short period of time in order to comply with the 48-hour rule. Now, in that short time frame, law enforcement will make a report to prosecutors. The prosecutor must then review the reports, make charging decisions, bring offenders to court, and present evidence showing that the accused is a threat. Senators, critics say that is an almost impossible standard and it's an unfunded mandate. Can the short time frame actually work? Absolutely. There's already a time requirement that exists between arrest and when someone must appear at court based on Supreme Court case law. Currently, within 48 hours of arrest, a judge must make a finding of probable cause to allow law enforcement to keep someone in custody. The Pretrial Fairness Act portion of the Safety Act doesn't change that initial timeline between arrest and appearance in court. The 24 and 48 hour timelines in the Safety Act apply to detention hearings, which occur after someone has already appeared in court for the first time. As a result, Pretrial Fairness Act and the Safety Act likely mean that there's a longer time frame between when someone is arrested and when the decision about their release or detention is made compared to what happens in the status quote. Does the new law eliminate the ability to hold people in custody in an inpatient setting in clear crimes of substance abuse or mental illness? When it comes to mental illness and substance abuse, that's not a crime and jails are not really treatment centers. What we can say is that judges do retain the power to issue conditions of release, including ordering treatment and assessments. I just want to make that like very clear to people. What makes it so that people can even get through substance abuse issues and often mental health issues is that they need to be complicit in their own well-being. It's why when you hear about AA for our alcoholics, I think the first step is admitting that you're an alcoholic, right? That's actually very important, that you have ownership over your recovery. As someone who is a product of both the war on drugs because of my biological mom being addicted to drugs and having lived with a very serious addict of alcohol and my adopted mom who took me to AA and Al-Anon meetings when I was a kid. I think that the very idea of trying to build treatment without the consent of the person who needs that treatment is a dangerous thing. And just to make it clear to people, again, these things are not crimes. Now the judge can retain that power to issue conditions when it comes to treatment and assessments. But I think I just want to ground that on a very personal level. And this is particularly impactful when we think about working class communities. It's almost sad that Senator Peters has to remind the audience and remind us that mental health and substance abuse is not a crime. I talked about this earlier about us criminalizing poverty. We've also criminalized conditions. One of the things that I've heard state's attorneys and law enforcement officers say is that I've got to lock somebody up to get them the help that they need. Jails and prisons are not the places for treatment. You can address the crimes that came along with the substance abuse or the mental health disorder, but we've got to be honest about what those conditions are. They're conditions, and we've got to treat the conditions as opposed to just trying to see them as mirror images of the crime. We've got to stop criminalizing poverty. We've got to stop criminalizing substance abuse. We've got to stop criminalizing mental health. Until we do that, we're not going to have a criminal legal system that is just. The conversation today with State Senators L.G. Sims Jr. and Robert Peters. We are talking about some of the issues that have been raised about the Safety Act and addressing some of the inaccuracies. Senators, here's another one. Come January 1st, 2023, no one will remain in jail longer than 90 days if they need a trial. And after the 90th day, they'll get out no matter what crime they've committed. And then if they don't show up for court, a warrant won't be obtained and they won't end up coming back to court. What do you say to that? 
There's nothing in the law that requires release of a person on January 1st, 2023. A judge will always make a determination on the continued detention of an individual, and they'll make those continued detention decisions in accordance with the law. The Illinois Supreme Court is working right now, and I happen to be one of the members, both Senator Peters and I are members of a task force that the Illinois Supreme Court is working on that's working with courts across the state that's providing guidance and hearings on implementation. In fact, there is a hearing later this week where we are talking about further implementation issues and matters, but it should always be noted that individuals charged with violent crimes such as murder and rape will still be detained under the PFA because judges will make that determination. Almost out of time for our discussion today. Senators, final thoughts? Senator Sims, we'll start with you. We've talked a lot about the direction that we set out to establish as we started talking about the Safety Act and crafting the Safety Act. We set out to create a system that's more fair and equitable, that's more accountable, but also it's more safe for our communities. We've also got to talk about crime is happening in our communities, but when crime happens in communities, there's got to be actions taken to then hold individuals accountable. We've talked a lot about whether or not an individual will stay in custody after January 1st. When you look at crime statistics now, an arrest are only being made in 50% of murders now, 16% of rapes or 17% of robberies now, or quarter of aggravated assaults and aggravated batteries now, or 13% of burglaries, or 20% of thefts. In order to deter someone, you can't just have stiffer penalties. We have tried the stiffer penalty route. It doesn't work in and of itself. What deters crime, it requires swift, certain, and fair action. And if we are not arresting when crimes happen, we're not adequately deterring crime. We've got to deter crime in order for us to have a safer community. What we are looking for is creating a system that deals with public safety. And that starts with making sure that we have a system that works from the front to the back. So that means when the crime happens, there is a response that gives the crime victims justice and then holds the offender accountable. And then also keeping in concert with the state's constitution to return someone to their fullest usefulness. We don't want to just lock someone away as if they're going to disappear. Make sure that we have a criminal legal system and a correctional system that corrects behaviors. So that happens throughout the system. And what we have done with the Safety Act and the Pretrial Fairness Act portion of the Safety Act is to address the front end of the system, to address when an individual is accused of crime, to make sure that we are addressing issues so that their lives don't unravel just merely because they're accused of a crime. Senator Peters? You know, the choice before us are people who want to keep a status quo that continues to fail and crumble around us. The other option is to treat everybody to the point where everyone's locked up and take us back to Jim Crow years. And I don't think we need to do that. And then there's the option that we passed and we got done, which said that we do have public safety challenges and we need to actually deal with those. What we won't do is double down on a failed status quo. So avoiding the Jim Crow and avoiding the status quo system to a new day, one that fundamentally focuses on actually public safety, I think is a huge accomplishment and is an important measure of civil rights success. State Senators L.G. Sims Jr. and Robert Peters, an important conversation today about the Safety Act and some of the parts of the act that take effect coming up January 1st. Senators, thank you for joining the podcast today. Thank you. Thank you.